So we're talking about the life story of Yaakov Avinu and in the beginning of the last parak we quoted a pasuk in Amos, in the Nebuah of Amos where it talks about a person who runs away from a lion bumps in and then as he's running away from a lion he bumps into a bear right? and then and the continuation of the pasuk is in, and he gets saved from the bear and then he comes home and he puts his hand on the wall in his house and a snake comes out and bites him. That's what it says in Amos. Amos is comparing that to a person who is a Rasha and he's waiting for Mashiach to come and he's telling him, like, don't you realize that like, the problems that you have now are just going to be exacerbated by Mashiach arriving. So like, you better, you, the, the only thing you can do is do tshuva. Don't just wait for Mashiach to come, do tshuva. That's what um, the Navi Amos is basically saying. And the Medrash explains it as talking about the life of, of Yaakov Avinu. He's running away from a lion. Said that the lion was Lavan because he ran away after he left Lavan's house. Was running away from him, and he bumps into a bear. Said last we said in the last parak that the bear was Esau. Fine. Now we talk about okay. He gets to his house, so Yaakovino gets back. Finally, gets to Eretz Yisrael, and what does he do? He puts his hand next to the wall, and a snake comes out and bites him. So what's the snake coming out and bite him? That's going to be the subject of this parak. It's a, it's a fairly long parak, and because we're doing like shorter shiurim, it'll probably take us like five or six weeks. The first part of the parak talks about the story of Dina and Shechem. Then it talks about Yaakov and Esau, sort of how they reconciled Yitzchak's death. And then it talks about the sale of Yosef. And then it goes on a side topic of uh, different uh, uh, excommunication bans. Because when the brothers sold Yosef, so they said like they made a um, they made a incommunicado about telling about the sale. So the, 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 then and then it talks about you know, different cases where they made a public harem in, in, in history. And then the next parak is going to be about Yaakov and continuation of the story of Yosef and Mitzrayim and Yaakov coming down to Mitzrayim and, and the last days of Yaakov's life. And then afterwards we go parak Man is very about Meishir Beinu. So like we basically finish Sefer Brachos. Okay, so what the snake that came out and bit Yaakov Avinu? Like, what's this snake? What's a ref- what's what what's it a reference to? It says the Mesh. Ksiv says in the pasuk in Amos. Abayis, he came to his house. and he put his hand next to the wall. and the snake bit him. So what's that referring to? When Yaakov Avinu came to his house in the land of his inheritance in the land of Canaan. The snake bit him. What is that snake? This is a reference to Shechem ben Chamor. The person who we're going to see was the one who ended up violating Yaakov Avinu's daughter. Why is he called a snake? So Marzu explains based on the Medrash and Kahelis Rabba because it's Shechem ben Chamor HaChivi. The Chivite. And the word Chivia or Chivia Chivi or Chivya in Aramaic actually means snake. So if you translate his name, it's Shechem ben Chamor Hachivi the snake. Right? That's part of that sort of like Pashapshat. Rebbe Izmir explains that why is it, why is, um, why is, it, and actually it doesn't say Hachivi, at least in, in my period of the Blizzard, but the Radal says you should, it should say the word Hachivi. Zashchem ben Chamor Hachivi the snake. Rebbe Izmer says a very interesting idea based on Arizal that I don't really want to get into it because I don't feel comfortable saying over this whole approach that he takes 
But he basically says an idea that Dina has to do with Chava, that Dina is sort of a Gilgal of Chava, and that he says that Dina, the, word, the letters of the word Dina is the same letters as the word Nida, and just like Chava is the, the woman who brought the concept of Nida to the world, so Dina is also a continuation of that reincarnation of that person. So he says that like Dina is Chava, and he says that the Shechem ben Chamar, why are we calling him a snake? Because he's sort of an incarnate of that original snake that enticed Chava to sin. And the, ti- and he's, and the way that Rizal says it, so like, like the, the tikkun for the sin of Chava is that the Nachash has to have relations with, with Dina. Like that Shechem will be with Dina. And that's sort of going to like fix the original sin somehow exactly. I don't know exactly how we understand these things. Kabbalistic concepts that are a little bit beyond my grasp. But that's sort of his basic approach. And then he explains how like some of the things that happen in this paragraph sort of justified. But I don't like to justify bad things. So I'm going to stay away from it. But this is, there is such an approach. So what did Shechem ben Chamar do? It says in Shal The daughter of Yaakov, meaning Dina, was Yeshevis Aholim. She used to sit in the tent. Right, like we say about see when we say by Yaakov Avinu it was Yaakov was Yeshev Aholim. He sits in the tent. Yaakov Ishtam Yeshev Aholim. He, he was a wholesome person. He would sit in the tent. So Chazal tells us that means that he would learn Torah. That's what it means Yeshev Aholim for a man, because the Iker Mitzvah for a man is Limud Torah. When we talk about for a woman Yeshev Yeshevas Aholim, the Dina was sitting in the tent. That's referring to uh, uh, her extraordinary character in the meat of Tznius of modesty. That she would, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't go outside. Call Kuwait about the Malach Pnima. Say that Nashim Ba'ayel, Minashim Ba'ayel Tavayrach. That's the Lashim that uh, Devarah said in her song when she's speak, singing about about this Yael, the, the woman who killed Sisra. So she says Minashim Ba'ayel Tavayrach. You should be more blessed than the women in the tent. And Chassal tells who are those women in the tent? That's referring to the Imai. Sarif Karachalay. Right? They, they were the women in the tent. When the, when the Malach came to visit Avram Avinu, she said, he, he, he asked, Where is your wife Sarah? And Avram Avinu said, like, She's in the tent. That's, that's the idea that Dina was Yeshevah Sahalim. Dina was somebody who would sit in her tent and she wouldn't go outside. Now, Rashi, the, 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 the Lashon of the Pasuk, when it talks about this story, it says, Dina Basleya. Dina Basleya went out. And Rashi and Chumash brings down that why does it say Batei Tzedina Bas Leah? It says that because Leah, there's a story with the Udayim that she went out to greet Yaakov Avinu and say that he's going to be with her that night. So it says she went out. So we see that Leah is the type of person who goes out. So, we want, so Rashi says that Dina is also the type of person who goes out. She wasn't, she, there was some sort of chisarn in the midst of Tzedina, according to Rashi, in, in Dina. But the Radal explain, or or you could say, yeah. The 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 Radal says that maybe that has to do with the with the famous Gemara that says that originally Leia, when Leah was pregnant with her seventh kid, so it was originally going to be a boy, and then she 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 realized that if she has a seventh boy, then Rachel's only going to have one boy instead of two. So she prayed that that boy won't be a boy; it'll be a girl. And then it sort of switched. The target medicine says the Malach came and took took Yosef, uh, was it uh, Yosef was originally in Leah's stomach took Yosef put her into Rachel's stomach and took out Dina from Rachel's stomach and put her into Leah's stomach. 
but originally Dina was supposed to be born like a boy. So the Radal says that could be in certain aspects she had the nature of a boy, like a, sort of like a tomboy type of idea. But the Medrash over here, as the Radal says, is saying the opposite. It, no, it wasn't a chisaran in, in Dina that she was the type of person who would go out. No, she was Yeshiva Saholim, she would sit in the tent, she wouldn't go out. It's, it's coming exactly to, to exclude what, the, the opinion of Rashi and Medrash Rabbah, etc. So why is she called? Okay, this is the, that, that, that's one thing. So, so, Me'os, so, okay, so what? So she was the type of person who would be in her tent. Me'osa Shechem ben Chamar. What did Shechem ben Chamar do? Meaning, we're, we're assuming for some reason that Shechem ben Chamar knew that Dina exists. If she didn't go outside, then how, did, how does he know that she, that she exists? You would probably have to say that it doesn't literally mean that she never went outside. She obviously went outside you know, as much as needed, but she would have tried to curtail that to not go outside more than necessary. And for whatever reason, somehow Shechem knew about her and decided that he wanted her. So what did he do in order to attract her? He brought young, gr- young girls, he brought them to be outside of her tent, and they were playing musical instruments. And that piqued or aroused Dina's curiosity. So Dina So Dina went outside to go watch these girls that were playing. Because that's the nature of a woman when she hears music. The Radal says it's a cotton testament pays that when a woman the nature of a woman is that when she hears music, she's attracted to the music and wants to go out and, and see what's happening over there. The curiosity, that meat of curiosity is what is, is, is what got her. Interestingly, the, the, the Gemara that the Radal brings, it says, Bas shitin kebas shis lekal tavla riyata. It's a Gemara made kata. It says, a woman who's 60 years old is like the same as a woman who's 6 years old in regard that they would be, they would be running after the voice of, of, a, of a music. They would be attracted to it to find out like what's happening and, and join in if they can. And then the Radal notes that in Mesech HaSeifram it actually says that Dina was 6 years old in this story. So that like it's very appropriate that the Medrash says that the Gemara says sixty is like six years old in this regard, and then we're talking about a girl who's actually six years old, at least according to Sefer, uh, according to Masechah Seferim at the end over there in Parakhof Aleph. Mamish towards the end of the Sefer Masechah Seferim it says that Dina was six years old when this story happened to her. Other sources say that she was eight, eight years old or eight and a half years old. There's different sources exactly how old Dina was when this story happened. Fine. So that's how Shem ben Chabar was able to get Dina to go outside. What did he do to her? Vishalallah, he captured her as booty. Vishachavaisah, and he lied with her. Right. What? What happened? You know, it, 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 so also the Radal points out. It says in the pasuk, "Vaidaber Nara. He spoke upon the heart of the of the girl. So that sounds like he actually convinced her. But the Radal no. The Medrash is coming to tell us no. It doesn't mean that he actually convinced her. It means that he forced her. He tried to convince her, but he wasn't successful. Fine. The Harsa Vyalda is Asnas. And Dina became pregnant, and from that she gave birth to Asnas. And we're gonna, as we're going to see later on in the parak, that Asnas was actually the person who married Yosef at Sadiq. And Oh, there's also there's, there's a whole Cheshman in, in the Mitzach from how it was that to say that to say that Dina was six years old. There's a whole Khajman who says that Yaakov you know, worked for Lavan for six years, etc. 
Okay, whatever. We, we, as I already said, there's some, some opinions say she was six, some eight, some eight and a half. But the Shaila is, as Rav Sadia going to ask the Shaila, says that if she was only six or eight, so how does she become pregnant? Oh, a woman that young, even if, if someone has relations with her, she's not going to become pregnant. So how are we saying over here that when Dina was raped, so she became pregnant, she gave birth to Asnas. So I guess in order to answer Rav Sadia's question, you would have to say that the, the nature of people in earlier generations was different. The Gemara says that people used to, men used to give, be fathers when they were already seven, eight years old. So you could say the same thing, I guess, that the, their nature was, was before Matan Torah or whatever exactly it was, that the nature used to be different. The nature has changed. That's one Mahalach you could say. Another Mahalach you could say is there's actually, I mean, this doesn't really answer the question so much. It's just, it's a different approach. Our Medrash is saying that Asnas was the daughter of Dina, but there's another Medrash that says that Asnas was actually Egyptian. She wasn't from the daughter of Dina, and she is a Gyaris. She converted. That's the Medrash Tadshe, it's a Medrashim. The Hasidic Ashkenaz bring this Medrash in a few places, the Vira Chassid, the Rekef, etc. They, they seem to go with this Medrash that Asnas was not actually the daughter of Dina. She was actually. Um, uh, uh, an Egyptian woman who converted and Yosef married her. So if you go like that, so then you don't have a question anymore. Oh, how did Dina get pregnant? No, it will be holding a different marriage. The Amr B'nai Yisrael Loharga. B'nai Yisrael, the sons of Israel, I mean Yaakov and his sons, they wanted to kill her. Who was it that they wanted to kill? It's not clear exactly. I first thought it means that they wanted to kill Dina, but I think that the Pshat is that they wanted to kill Osnas. They wanted to kill, it seems like they wanted to kill Asas. Sha'achshav yemukol ha'aretz. Now, everyone, everyone, all the people of the land are going to say, Sheesh beis znus ba'ahala yakriv. That there's a house of harlotry in the tents of Jacob. Or, Sheesh bas zima ba'ahala yakriv. That there's a daughter of, a daughter of, uh, of licentiousness in the, in the tents of Jacob. Not, there's two gersoyes over there. Right, so the, the the sons of Yaakovina wanted to get rid of her. We got to get rid of. It seems they want to get rid of Asnas, and they they want to do some because otherwise it makes the family look bad. Me also, they have like lahavde, like the Muslims do honor killings if their sister does something bad, so they you know go out and kill her. Me also, Yaakov. So what did Yaakovina do? Heavy tzitz. He brought uh, tzitz, like a, a plate. Because of love, Shem Hakodesh, and Yaakovina wrote on this plate. He wrote the special name of Hashem, Vesola al Salvarah, and he hung, hanged this plate on her neck, on Asnas neck, Vishilcha and he sent her off, and she went away. And therefore, he, he he gave her this special this necklace that had this this plate that had the Shem of Hashem, and he sent her off with it. What's the idea of giving her this this plate to send her off with? So the Bais Agol explains. That he didn't want her to die he wanted her to be protected so he wrote like a kmea like some sort of amulet with the Shem Hashem written on this on this plate in order to protect her as the Chara Pashibshat Bayezagodal says but there's another element to it that there's a lacha called an Asufi brought in the Mitzachas Kedushin last parak also in Evan Ezra and Simon Dalad, it's passing Allah. If you find a child, you know, we don't know who, who, who this child is. Just, you know, you knock, someone knocks on your door, you open the door, and now there's a little bassinet over there, and you don't know where this child came from. You have reason to believe that it's Jewish, let's say. 
you don't know where it came from, and you bring it into your house, and you raise a child, etc. So the, shayla, the question is, what is the halachic status of that person? Are they considered, what, or what's the yichus status of that person? The genealogical status. Is that person considered a mamzer? Not considered a mamzer? So there's a halacha called an asufi. A sufi is someone who literally means asuf, gathered. Someone who's gathered in from the marketplace. So has that such a person has the halachic status as a suffic mamzer, a, a person of dubious lineage, questionable lineage, and you're not necessarily you're not allowed to marry a sufi. Now the halacha is that if if the person who gave up this child. Because why is it? Because we assume that the, that you know somebody did something wrong. They had ancestral relation or whatever, and this child was born from that, and they gave up the child because they didn't want to end up raising an illegitimate child like that. But if we, if when when you find this asufi, this, this uh, what's it called, this um, lost, abandoned child, if you find in a way that the child was set up that it could survive, and that the parents actually. Uh, wanted it to be okay, not to die. The parents felt felt for its well-being. So then we're going to assume that no, the child is not um, a suffolk mamzer. Rather, the parents couldn't afford it and they want to come pick it up later or something like that. And the child's yichus um, is considered legitimate and it's not it's not problematic. That's that that's Allah of a sufi. So the Mufarsh and the Radal the both explain that when Yaakov you know, put this necklace around. Um, Asnas, when they sent her away, she, they were trying. To, he was trying to show that if someone finds her, she's not an Asufi, she's not a Sufik Mamzeres. Rather, she's a legitimate child because I gave her a special amulet to protect her. And that's how we answer the question that you know how is Yosef? We're going to see it in a, few, in a minute or so that Yosef Atzadik ended up marrying Asnas. So the question is, how can he marry her if she's a Sufik Mamzeres? So the answer is no. She's not. She's not. She's not an Asufi. It's a different. It's a different status because she had this special amulet that was that was done to protect her. Rabbi brings another medrash from the Rabbeinu, in the name of Rabbeinu Bachai. He brings a medrash that says that why is she called Asnas because she was hidden in the, in the bushes, besna. Like Asnas is like lotion of sna. So also that same idea. What, what's the idea of hiding her in the bushes? Because you hide her in the bushes, she's protected from the elements. She's protected from the animals. So you see that her parents cared for her well-being, and she's not in a Sufi. Everything is foreseen in front of Hashem. What, he arranges everything to happen. and he's, This story happened in a way that Hashem arranged it so that Yosef is going to be able to marry someone that he is fitting to marry. Michael, the angel, came down and he brought, came, came down and he brought her, he brought Osnaz down to Egypt. To the house of Pitifera, Shahisa Asnas Ruyal Yasef Laisha, because Asnas was fitting to Yasef to be a wife. Vaisa Ishtai Shal Paitifera Akara Vigidla Isa Kivas. And the wife of Paitifera was wife of Paitifera was an Akara, she was barren, she wasn't able to have children, so she took Asnas and she adopted Asnas and she raised Asnas as, as her own daughter. Uh, there's an interesting medrash. The medrash says that what's the reason that the wife of Potiphar, Potiphar, why was she so interested in Yosef Atzalik that she was pursuing her and trying to pursuing him, trying to seduce him so much? 
Why was she so interested in him? So the manager says that she saw through her astrology that she's destined to have children through Yasef. So therefore, she understood that she's that that's that's her destiny that she's supposed to do something with Yasef, do some have relations with Yasef. So, so Chaim Kinevsky brings this medrash and he says, "Oh, it's a, you have a raya from this medrash that that the daughter that the, that Osnas was not actually." The daughter of Dina, but was actually a daughter of Petifara or the wife of Petifara because she saw not. It says that she saw an astrologer. She's supposed to have children with Yosef, and the Chara, that's what happened, right? So Chaim Kanyeski wants to figure out not like our pick of the Bliezer, that Osnas was the daughter of Dina, but rather that Osnas was an Egyptian girl who who converted or whatever, because it says in the Medrash that um, Petifara's wife saw an astrology that she's destined to have children through Yosef. What I saw, it's not. It's not really such a strong raya because you could say that astrology is not 100%, it's not foolproof. And we find in many places in Chazal, and I don't want to get into all the different places, but we find many places in Chazal where people saw things in astrology and it wasn't exactly 100% accurate and they made mistakes in interpreting the results in the readings. And it, it, it's, not, it's not foolproof. So just because that's what the, the, the wife of Paitifara saw, that doesn't mean that that's actually true. And Rav Tzadok, Rav Tzadok Kain Milublin, famous Rav Tzadok, he writes in one of his forum, he, he actually answers this question a little bit better. He says that w- when, the, when the wife of Paitifera saw in astro- through astrology that she's destined to have children through Yasef, it didn't mean that she herself was actually have children through Yasef. It meant through Asnas. And even though Asnas, like the marriage over here says, is the daughter of Dina, it wasn't the, she wasn't related to the, to the wife of Paitifera. But because it says over here, Gidlo is a kivas, the wife of Petifera raised Asnas like a daughter, and Chazal tells us that if you raise somebody, you adopt a child and you raise them, it's as if you gave birth to them. So therefore, she, the astrology made it that, that she thought that she's going to have children through Yosef. But really it wasn't through her, through her descendants or through her herself, it was actually through, through the daughter of Dina that she raised. All right. When Yosef came down to Mitzrayim, he took her as a wife. He gave her, Paro gave to Yosef, Asnas, the daughter of Petifera, the priest of On, which is Heliopolis, which is the center of the sun worship in Egypt. Leisha as a wife. Mufarshim said, Why Dafka did Paro marry off Yosef? To the daughter of Petifera because Pyro wanted to show that you know Yosef really wasn't guilty of pe- what people said he was guilty of why he was originally thrown in jail he really wasn't guilty God give you a proof that he wasn't guilty look he's marrying the lady's daughter or this is what people thought was the lady's daughter by right, going back to the story of Dina and Shechem says the matter Shimon and Levi Kino Kino Shimon and Levi had great uh, zealousness over this znus over this uh, not necessarily adultery, but over this promiscuous activity. Shinamar, it says in the Pesach, It said, are you going to make our, what, our, our sister like a prostitute? No, we can't let you do that. So instead, they punished the entire city of Shechem. What did they do? Each man took his sword, meaning Shimon and Levi, each, both of them took their sword and they killed out the city, all the people of the city of Shechem. Fine. Now, the question is, what did the people of Shechem do to deserve such a death? They didn't do anything wrong. 
It was Shechem ben Hamor who raped Dina. It wasn't the peop- the, all the people of the city. So why are all the people of the city getting killed? Okay, so I found in the Rishonim three different explanations of exactly why Shimon and Levi decided to kill out the entire city. We'll have to go, we'll go through them rather quickly because sort of we're sort of pressed for time. Okay, so what are the, what are the three explanations? The first explanation is the Rambam. Now, there, a little bit of an introduction to this, to this explanation is like this. We know that there's seven Noahide mitzvahs. Right? The seven mitzvahs b'nei da'ach. You know, do you know what the seven mitzvahs b'nei da'ach are? Yeah? Okay. So, not, not everybody necessarily knows what they are. So, when I was a little kid, my father taught me a trick. How to remember the seven mitzvahs b'nei da'ach. Could be you heard this one. It's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dachfad, Nunhein, or Dvav, something like that. It lists the seven mitzvahs. But there's a trick how to remember all seven mitzvahs b'nei da'ach, in case you ever forget them. It goes... Oh, you, go, you go down from Aleph to Zion in Aleph base. Aleph, Eber, Menachai. Base is Birkas Hashem, meaning not cursing Hashem. Gimel is Gezel, not stealing. Dalit is Dinim, that um, B'nai Nayach are obligated to set up court system of, of punishments and rewards, etc. Hey is Hereg. Vav is Vavayda Zara, not to commit idolatry. And Zion is Nus, that they're not allowed to commit uh, you know, certain... Um, Sexual forbidden relations. And those are the seven mitzvahs b'nai na'ach. So we said the fourth one, Dalad Dinim, it requires b'nai na'ach to set up a court system so that they could punish criminals and seek out justice. So the Ramam explains that if a if a if a if a Goisha society, a b'nai a Noahide society, does not set up a court system and do not punish criminals. So then they're held responsible, they're violating this rule of the seven mitzvahs b'nei noach, and the chayv misa, they're culpable themselves for capital punishment, and the Rambam explains that that's what happened over here in the story of Shechem. Because Shechem ben Hamor raped Dina, and he got away with it, and the society let him do it, and they didn't take him to justice, they didn't bring him to court, they didn't treat him like a criminal, so the entire city is complicit in the act, and therefore they're all liable for the death penalty, and that's why Shimon and Levi was able to go out and kill the whole city. That's what the Rambam says. And the Shailah Meshiv, the Yosef Shol Natanzen, in his Sefer Divri Shol on Chumash, so he brings from Sefer Yashar, that Sefer Yashar says more or less the same idea, that because they didn't, they didn't protest Shechem ben Hamor's actions, the whole city was culpable. That's one explanation. The second explanation is that of the Ramban. The Ramban explains that the reason why Shimon and Levi killed out the entire city, Ramban Chumash, says the reason why, because, not because of, not because of necessarily of this, but for other affairs that they happen to have done. They also do Avedazar, they also do Gileariahs themselves. So each person, there was a reason why each person was liable for the death penalty, so Shimon and Levi went and carried it out and, and killed them all. That's the second, the Ramban's explanation. But the, but the Ramban will tell you that not setting up a court system, that doesn't make you liable for the death penalty. That, that's basically the argument between the Ramam and the Rambam. The third explanation is Rabbi Chaim Paltiel, one of the Rishenim, he was the Talmud of the Marami Rutenberg. Rabbi Chaim Paltiel says that the reason why Shimon and Levi killed out the entire city is because they all took turns raping Dina. It wasn't just Shem ben Chamor, it was everyone. Maybe he was the leader, the gang leader, but everyone did it. I don't know if it means also the women and the children were also killed, it seems. But you know, everyone, everyone was involved. Not, not just that they, they, were, they, were, 
they, they had the sin of uh, of of, uh, of silence, but they they actively partook in the sin of raping her, and they joined in. So therefore, they also got punished. They were, that they were killed out by Shimon and Levi as well. Right, so those are the three explanations of why Shimon and Levi killed out the whole city. When Yaakov heard that Shimon and Levi killed out the whole city, he was very scared. He said, Now all the nations of the land are going to come out. They're going to go gather up against me and they're going to kill me because I killed out a whole city. And people are going to be upset. There's going to be international outcry. So he began to curse the anger of his two sons, Shimon and Levi. Shinamar says the Pasuk, Shimon Levi Achim, right? Their anger should be cursed. He cursed the anger of Shimon and Levi. Furthermore, Yaakov cursed their sword in the Greek language. What does that mean? Shemar, it says in the Pasuk, a, a, a vessel of violence is in their arsenal. What does that mean? A vessel of, of violence is in their arsenal. Mechoreisehem is in their arsenal, and the Greeks call a sword mocher. The word for sword, I guess, in Greek is mocher. So Yaakov specifically cursed their sword in in Greek. That's an interesting idea. Why Dafka did Yaakov curse their sword in Greek? What does that mean? He cursed them in Greek, like the rest of it is in Lashon Hakodesh, and he used this one word in Greek. So Rabbi Yehuda Ismail explains that um, he didn't want to curse them completely in Lashon Hakodesh because that would make it a very strong curse. But if you use it in Greek, which is a less powerful language, so then it's not as effective. I spoke about this actually in my book on Lashon Hakodesh by Bilam. The Bilam used to curse in Daf specifically in Lashon Hakodesh because that's the most effective. That because that language is the is the most real language. But here it's saying that he cursed them in, in Greek because Yaakovino didn't want to actually curse his, his two sons with like a really strong curse. So if you curse them in Greek, or at least one word in Greek, it's, it's a weaker curse. A weaker curse. Yeah, we'll just finish a few more lines. All the kings of the land heard about this, that Shimon and Levi killed out an entire city. And they were very scared. Yaakovino was scared that the people are going to fight him, but the people were scared of Yaakovino. Amru, they said, If two sons of Yaakovino could do this thing, they could kill out an entire city, then if all the sons of Yaakovino would gather together, they could destroy the entire world. So the people actually were very scared. Not like Yaakovino said that you know, the people are going to be angry and they're going to fight us, rather the Mitzvah was that the people were very scared. And the, the fear of Hashem fell on all the people of the land. The fear of Hashem was upon all the people of the land, and they actually didn't start fighting with Yaakovino in response to this story. They, you know, left him alone. Well, there is a medrash called Sefer Yashar that the medrash discusses a whole bunch of wars that the children of Yaakov Avinu fought. Machemes bin Yaakov, different wars that they fought in, in response to this story that different nations tried to fight their revenge for the city of Shechem. And the Ramban and Chumash, interestingly, mentions such a thing of this medrash Machemes bin Yaakov. And the Ramban says, I'm not sure if you could believe it or not. But here Chazal seem to be going with the idea that no, the people, the Goyim were scared. They didn't try to start up with Yaakov Avinu. So, Fine, so we'll, we'll stop over here and the Israel Shem will continue. Okay, I have a question, but I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, number one. 
why did Yaakov throw throw out Dina? Well, he didn't throw out Dina. He threw out Asnas. And he threw out Asnas. Yeah. Why did he throw out Asnas? Because it, it makes the family look bad because people are going to be able to point at her and say, oh, this girl was born from some sort of forbidden or some shady relationship. So why didn't, he, why didn't Dina have an abortion then? Why didn't Dina have an abortion? I don't know. I don't know if they had thought of that. Maybe they only realized she was pregnant after 40 days and then after 40 days it's problematic to have an abortion. Maybe, I don't but know. He, he, you know, he, he's, you see, I'm a liberal. Yeah, you're a liberal. I'm a liberal. I'm a liberal who's forced to vote Republican every time because I'm Jewish. <laughs> You'd never know it from my voting record. Yeah. But I'm pro-abortion. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is, here he is. Like the Republicans in America, you're very anti-American. No, I think I have a better answer. I, it says in the matter that she got pregnant and she gave birth to Asnas, and then it says, and then afterwards. The sons of Jacob said, you know, we want to get rid of her. They only said it after she was already born. That's what it seems like. Well, that, that's the Republicans in America. They, they, they're very anti-abortion. Oh, no, no, have the baby, have the baby, have the baby. Yeah. But once the baby's born, they are against any child care, any, you know, any, any uh, you know, aid to education, any, you know, aid to dependent children thing, any food stamps and stuff like that. So I've always said that the question about abortion is not when life begins, but when life ends. And according to these people, life ends at birth. Okay. I remember the government, you know, it, and that's, you know the, the conservatives don't feel that that's the, um, that, that's the, um, what's the responsibility of the government. Then let the woman have an abortion, you know. Anyway, that, that's the first, second thing is, okay. second thing is, in the Torah, if a man rapes a woman, Yeah. He has to marry her, or he's, if, if she's willing to. If she's willing to, and if the father is willing to, yeah. Yeah, okay. And the punishment for rape is not death. Right. So how come the punishment for rape with Shem was death? Because, first of all, B'nai Noach are held to a different standard than B'nai Yisrael are held to. So... In it, for 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 bnei, for bnei Nayach, um, any type. First of all, there's a halacha that if a ben, if if a non-Jew has relations with a Jew, they're automatically chayv misa. There's there's such a rambam. It's censored in some editions, but there is such a rambam. That's just that. The se- the second point is that. So I said every intermarriage nowadays is chayv misa theoretically. Possibly, at least according to the rambam. The, the second idea is that you could, the, the, there's, a, there's a, another difference between... Oh yeah, we're getting back to Rambam. Does it work both ways? Hold on a second, a There's another difference between the halachas of the, the Jews are held to the, sta- what, to the standard that Jews are held to and to the standard that B'nai Noach are held to. In regard to Jews, the, the prohibition of stealing you know, is limited to... You know, um, if you steal more than a pruta, a certain yeah. value. And for a guy, if you steal even less than a pruta, you know, that's considered stealing. So one of the Mepharshim, Kubi Dharmada, I think himself says this, that when you rape a woman, so you are, in a way, you're stealing from her father. Because if he wanted to marry her off, it's so if she was a virgin, so he can marry her off and, and, and you know, get a better deal. But now, oh, not, not necessarily for the father, I'm sorry, you're stealing from, you're stealing from her future husband. Right? Because if you, if, you, if you marry her, 
Wait, no, one second. She ain't from the father because he gets a better deal. It's worth more. Father, right, because she's worth more. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Right. That's why he's going to pay a fine. That's why he's going to pay a fine, right? So that's why he's going to pay a fine. But that's a... But the fine, the knas, is, is, is in our halachas, in parashas and mishpatim, in the Jewish halachas. In Goyesh halachas, that's considered stealing. And the punishment for stealing is death. But this, oh yeah, by the way, the third thing, yeah. that everybody took place in the rape, took part in the rape. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't think Shem would have wanted to marry her. I think Shem would not have allowed his countrymen to rape her after him. I don't know. Some people are very depraved, and you don't know exactly what makes them tick. Then why does he want to marry her? I don't know. Well, I'm saying, like, and also, maybe the people of the city did it, even, not necessarily with Shem's consent. Stop, like once she's already here, then we might as well. Well, do. there's another thing then, and getting better. The first thing from the Rambam, probably, yeah. you know, about setting up a court system, he's the king. How are, you gonna, how, how are the people going to put the king to justice? I mean, I don't think that Shem, no, Shem ben Khamar wasn't the king. His father was sort of like the, the mayor of the city. But again, a king is not exempt from justice. In, in Jewish law, you know, if a king does an avera, you know, he could be he can be taken down from being king, depending on exactly what the avera was, or you know, demoted or something. There has to be justice. You know, the buck has to stop somewhere. There's no different standards for different people, and especially we're talking about the, you know, the laws of Hijab, which are universal laws. Which apply to all of humanity. Uh, now, getting back to if, uh, uh, Jewish man, non Jewish woman, does it work both ways? Jewish man, non Jewish woman, and then a Jewish woman, non Jewish man, or does it only work one way? I, I don't remember offhand. So, look in the, in the Ramam. I don't remember. Where is it? Malacha, maybe. I don't remember where it is. It's in either history. I'll try to find it for a different time. So how, by the way, when, he, when, they, when they threw her out, how's a three-year-old girl supposed, supposed to survive? Who said she was three? How old was she when, she, when they threw her out? We never said how old she was when they threw her out. We don't know how old Osnas was when, when they threw her out. But why did the sons want to get rid of her that much? It doesn't because, because it, it makes the family look bad and people are going to be able to point and say, you know, this woman was, this girl was born from some sort of shady relationship. But the mother was raped. I mean, you can't blame anybody for that. That's true. That's true. I, I don't know exactly how to understand. Here's, here's another question. Isn't there a medrash that Shimon eventually married her? There is such a medrash. Ma- married either Osnas or married Udina. There's different um, versions of that medrash. So how could he marry Os- how could he, ma- could, he, could, he could marry Osnas. Because he, he can marry his niece. Right. But how could he marry his full sister? Ah, so it's a good question. The, the, the truth is that there's a mention that says that all of the Shvatim married their twin sisters. Or married twin sisters. Well, I, I figured like, like, you know, that, that, that uh, let's say, uh, Ruvain married, uh, let's say, because you know, there were six and six, so he could have married right. a different mother. Right. You so so, so the, the, I think it's the Pirsha Torah of Torah, says basically what you answered, that they married from different mothers. Except that Shimon and Lev- Shimon and Dina had the same mother technically, right? right? But, but according to the no same father, Shimon and Dina. Uh, Shimon and Dina. They're, yes, si- they're brother and sisters from the right, same right, mother, right. same father. 
But like what, based on what I was saying before, the idea that really Dina was originally in the mother of Rachel and it switched. So then, in in certain ways, Dina would be considered, you know, only uh, Shimon's paternal sister, not maternal sister. And by Bnei Nayach, a, a paternal sister is allowed. Only maternal sister is allowed. Yeah, actually, this pirusha, I think it's a pirusha Torah letter. The um, the place can bring us down in regard to figuring out the halachic status of surrogate motherhood. Because because she let's say she, when Dina was conceived, she was in Rachel's stomach. But when she was born, she was born in Leah's stomach. It's like what do you do with what 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 what, what is that? Uh, could you could could you say any practical ramifications of that in halacha in contemporary halacha? Yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure. So, also say that you know maybe you can't because this is an agadato. It's a medrash. It's not necessarily a halachic a halachic uh, ruling, but yeah. I gotta go because it's, it's getting very late for me. I haven't, I haven't even kept home yet today. Oh.